Today's episode is sponsored by you, my Patreon subscribers. Join the family by visiting patreon.com forward slash Nalini Tranquim. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of Under the Rug. I am your host, Nalini Tranquim. Now, right from the get-go, I just want to highlight uh, that listener discretion is advised today. Today's conversation is not for the drive into school with the little ones. So if that's you, please switch to your favorite tunes and revisit this episode at a later time, okay? Today, I am having an open conversation with an incredible woman. Her name is Janet Little. She is a certified trauma-informed coach, advocate, speaker, and author of the book, My Tears Were For Her, which contains actual diarized dated journals of her sexual abuse. Janet, welcome to Under the Rug. Thank you so much for having me, Nalini. And I'm thrilled to meet you. I think that we should have met a long time ago. I agree. I totally, totally agree. We are like a kindred spirit. I think we've had one conversation (laughs) pre this interview. (laughs) Not to mention the cats. Oh, girl. Well, Janet is a cat fan, so I love her all the more. (laughs) Janet, it's just, it's such a delight to meet you. And I'm so glad we can have this conversation together today. Um, You describe that you wrote your book because and I'm just quoting you here, you say the stress, the inner turmoil, being someone that you were not was too difficult to live with any longer and that you had to get real in order to have a real life. It sounds to me like you'd reached exploding points. So could you just share with us what was going on on the inside of you that led you to finally braving it and sitting down and getting this book written? I talk about the writing of the book and and when I decided to get the help, which my book is based on the diaries of that time, I was I was looking at my future and realizing that my future was going to look just like my past as far as relationships, as far as what I was choosing in my life, if I didn't deal with my sexual abuse and it was it was building up. It built up to a point when I met my now husband. And I realized in that moment in time, it's like, this is the person that I meant to be with. Yeah, I haven't experienced anything like this before. And I have to deal with my sexual abuse or this is going to be a train wreck. Because yeah. I had been married twice before. And I was like, wow. I've got to do this now because I have my whole life ahead of me. Wow. I like what you said in your first few words, that your life going forward is going to be no different to your life in the past if you don't deal with it. Yes. And, you know, I I, I had a good job, but I abused alcohol. Early on, I was uh, abusing, subs- I had substance abuse issues and making very, very bad choices. Uh, men, friendships, you name it. The only thing I had going for me was a great job. That was it. Everything else was in my estimation, a disaster. I looked great on the outside, but I was like bubbling over on the inside. Yeah. And that was the ramification of the trauma that you experienced as a child. Absolutely. For sure. 
Yes. And the shame, I would say, the shame of carrying that. And, you know, people talk about uh, PTSD and stuff like that. It's like, I would go to sleep and still have nightmares and dreams and all that kind of stuff. And that went for, well, I was 30 or 31 Mm -hmm. when I decided to tell Gord, who was the first one, but that went on for probably 15 or 16 years after the abuse stopped. Whoa. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, you know, that's... I know there's people out there who are, who are 60, 70 that are still living yeah. in that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we're having this conversation today. Hey, because we need to be able to talk. We need to be able to talk things through and it is the only way that we can heal. I totally believe that. Yeah. 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 Abuse flourishes in secrecy, right? Was there ever a time when you were young? when you tried to speak out? I don't believe I ever had the opportunity because I don't feel like I had anybody that I could trust. Mm. Wow. So I was really in my estimation from what I was told by my father it's like well you know what it'll do to the family you know what it'll do to your mother so it was my job to keep the family together in order to do that I had to keep the secret so I had nobody that I could trust right so that that silence or that fear of speaking out then became so ingrained on the inside of you even into your adult years Yeah, and I don't really worry. I don't think I worried so much when I left home because obviously I couldn't wait to get out. Uh, I don't believe I worried so much when I left home about that, but it was more the shame that I carried because of the abuse that kept me quiet then. Talk to me a little bit more about then this shame that you carried. Did Did you feel like you were to blame for what was going on? I don't recall feeling to blame. No, I, I, I recall being blamed for it by my abuser, my father, Wow. Uh, but I don't, I don't feel so much uh, that way. However, shame is a feeling of unworthiness, undeservedness. And it's like, okay, well, if somebody can use me like that and then just go on like nothing happened and your own child. I really didn't feel overly valued. Okay. And so I made choices. I made choices based on that. And then I made choices based on get them before they get me. And so right. when I did leave home, I would, I would um, basically use men. Yeah, and that would have been like a self-protect mechanism, surely. I'm not sure if it was a self-protect mechanism or it was a get-even mechanism. I really never really identified that, but I was definitely, you know, doing things with people that I shouldn't have been doing. And, you know, it wasn't a beautiful thing for me, let's say that. I understand that. Yeah, I understand. Often people who have not experienced um, abuse within the home will naturally be inclined to 
surmise that, well, how could other family members not know that this was going on? You know, what do you have to say to that? You know, I believe that everybody in a house based on the size of a house has to know there's something going on. Yeah. You know, there was only four of us in the house and I didn't know when it was happening to me until many years later that it was also happening to my brother. Oh, oh man. And so, I mean, how does that happen without everybody in the house knowing about it? Yeah. I can't answer that question for anybody but yeah. myself. I think it had to be very obvious, but. Yeah. yeah. Now, I've never believed what I'm going to ask you, but I do know that denial can lead someone to act as though nothing's going on. I totally believe that. Yeah. So when a child speaks out about abuse, sometimes the parent that they're speaking out to will deny what the child is saying and almost make out that the child is making it up. Do you believe that a child who speaks out about abuse that they are experiencing could naturally make something like this up? Uh, it's my belief that we always need to believe the children. Yeah, and if somebody's if somebody's coaching them uh, for a different reason, then that should be against the law. Period. Yeah, but when it when a child says that something's going on, people need to believe them, and that's why I always encourage even people my age and and older, you know, way older, younger, whatever age. It's like make sure that you tell someone that you know you can trust. If it's happening in the house, you likely can't trust anybody in there to tell them. Wow, that's on point. Yeah, so it's important to find somebody that you can trust. Right, and so right. if you're talking, you know, children, it's like the school counselor or the teacher or somebody, because they're all mandated to report, right? Your family members aren't mandated to report. That's right. They're, yeah, that's they right. should be obligated to. They should be obligated to, but they're not mandated to. Yeah. Whew, okay. I know we went straight in, <laughs> but I, I feel like we so need to have this conversation. So, so let's just keep going with it. Now, you reference Susan in your book, who I believe is your therapist. Is that correct? Yes. Susan, during one of your sessions, compared your life in the family home to that of the prisoner of wars in concentration camps. Now, that's a pretty strong comparison. Describe to me the captor's method of control, because I think that's something that people need to understand. Yes, and I don't ever compare anything to the war camps or anything like that but the the point was it's a captor and you're held captive in an yeah. isolated place right yeah uh, brainwashing um if you if you, you have shelter you need shelter you need food you get the things that you want if you do these things right 
like everybody thought we had the perfect childhood. Oh, I had the horse. My brother had the bikes. It's like, oh, you know, the, the kids are, they're so blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but yeah, but to me, to me, I always felt like my father was a good provider in food and shelter. Uh, but all of that to me, I felt was uh, a payoff for yeah. shushing about yeah. it. Mm. Where was mum in all of this? I don't know. Oh, Janet. That breaks my heart to hear that. Yeah, I, I don't know. And uh, she and I don't talk about my book that much. Uh, I have family members who haven't spoken to me since my book. Most of them didn't speak to me before that anyways. A lot of them didn't. <laughs> but... <laughs> But now some have even, some have even, you know, they just, yeah, poof, disappeared. Yeah. And then I have I, some that have been like super close and it's like, I'm cheering you on and I believe yeah. you and other family members are like, not a word, not a peep from them. Wow. Like not a peep and not a peep says a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you've just got to keep going on the journey that you're on, right? Because you have seen the power of speaking out in your own life. Yeah, that will never stop me from speaking out. Okay, okay. Talk to me about God, because you, you describe him as being your first unconditional love that, you, that you've ever had. And that's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. How did you guys meet? Tell us a little bit about him. We met, we were both in uh, the oil and gas industry and we met through a friend and I was like, oh my goodness, I quite frankly had been married and divorced twice and was thinking, oh, men are so not for me, right? But I laid eyes on him and it was like, oh my goodness. I, I always tell my friends, don't be dating him unless, you know, your eyes turn like the slot machine. Yeah. That's what mine, that's what mine did. Oh, I and, love um, that. Yeah. And so at that time, we just knew that we wanted to be together and that we were meant to be together. And it was very short and fast and quick. And I had no intentions, like none, because here I was, had made bad choices and, and then meet this guy. It's like, now I need to do something different. Yeah. Because if I don't, I'll surely sabotage it. Right. Because I had done that before. I'll sabotage it or it'll be only a portion of what it should really be. Yeah. And so that is when um, I realized it's like, okay, here he is. If I tell him hmm. I have a 50-50 chance that he's going to run, which I probably would have knowing what I know. Yeah. Um, or he'll stay and support me. So wow. I remember it was like, it was days. I was just sick to my stomach. Mm. It's like, I have to tell him, I have to tell him, I have to tell him. So I just blurted it out one night after work. And wow. the, pretty much the first words out of his mouth were, we have to get you help. Oh. And he's been wow. like that all along. Wow. So what did help look yeah. like for you? 
we got the yellow pages out. If anybody knows what the yellow pages are anymore, we got the yellow pages out and it was in the evening. I flipped through and I was like, I discernment for me, I've always had it even before I was a real Jesus follower. You know, I just always had, it's like, Oh, that one right there. I have a good vibe about that one. And I just thought, you know what, we'll just phone it. And if I leave a message, that'll be fine. I phoned it and Susan picked up the phone. Oh, wow. Your therapist. Susan picked up the phone. She said, I'll see you tomorrow. Wow. And so began the journey. And so began the journey. And that's when I started journaling uh, was when through therapy with Susan. Okay. All right. So you'd never journaled as a child. Yes, I did journal as a child. And my journal disappeared in our house somewhere. Yeah. I don't know who got it. I, I, I can't say, I don't know. Yeah. I, I obviously know it had to be out of three people. Yeah. Um, Anyways, my journal disappeared and I swore I would never write anything personal on paper in black and white again. And wow. then like, here it is wow. for the whole world to see. That's incredible. That's incredible. It took guts though for you to get to the point where you could actually, I mean, it takes guts writing it in a journal, but it, it, it took guts for you to turn that into an actual book now that you have, you know, put into the hands of others. Why have you done that? What's been your purpose behind that? Really, it's more of obedience. I was going to throw all of my journals out, my voice recordings, all that kind of stuff. And I heard a resounding, no, you're going to write a book. And my reply to that was pretty much, I don't think that's going to happen. (laughs) But, you know, for 12 years, for 12 years, I packed that a recording and those books back and forth to Arizona and I was always taught be prepared be prepared be prepared for what's going to come up I don't know who gave me that great message but it's worked for wow. me all of my life and so I I transformed everything into word documents and I waited and I waited and I waited and then um January of 2018 I just heard this now now is the time to wow. write your book. Wow. Okay. And what's been the response so far? I mean, you've shared a little bit about, you know, some of your family and how they've received it, but what's been the response from the general public who have picked up your book and read it? It's overwhelming. Yeah. I believe, yeah, I believe you. I believe you. It, it's so overwhelming. It, it brings me to tears because there's so many people we have a similar story yeah. and I get, and I get all these private notes and some send me, you know, messages and some say, please share it. But, but the majority of them are thanks for speaking because I can't do it. Yeah. I know. Or thanks. I'm... Thanks for telling your story because there's so many of us that can't do it. Yeah. You're literally giving voice to the voiceless. And that I believe was my understanding of it from the very start is because I can do it. I've been called to do it. Yeah, 100%. And I've done a lot of things just afraid to do them. Yeah. And I just do them. Yeah. But yeah, the response to it is is wonderful. I've had people tell me, 
oh, I never thought about it this way, or you're really making me get into places I didn't want to go, mm. but it's, but it's good. And just, just so many things. And for me, it's like, I always get asked, well, how many books are you selling? Are you making any money? It's like, it's so not about that. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. To, to me, payday is one note. Yeah. But it is doing well, by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I believe it's going to go far and wide. And so I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because I want all of my people to grab a copy of your book and read it because it is raw. So the warning is out there. It is raw. It is, oof, it's not an easy read, but it gives, I don't know, it's weird. It's like it gives you permission to be real about what's going on in your own life. Mm-hmm. And that is a really, really powerful, powerful thing. I want to equip people with tools, okay, with parents, with, you know, anyone listening to this that that maybe have also buried their own abuse as a child and are still carrying it and are maybe at that stage of exploding and know something needs to change. So I want to be able to equip people with tools, okay? So my next question to you is, what are some of the signs, just based off of your experience, that parents need to look out for and not bury their heads over when it comes to a child experiencing abuse? Now, the kind of abuse is almost irrelevant, okay, because it could be bullying at school, it could, like it could be, you know, a myriad of things. It could be, you know, bullying on social media or trolls or, you know, whatever, Um what are some of the signs that parents need to be vigilant to when it comes to their children experiencing abuse? Withdrawal, mm. uh, a lack of attention, um, almost dissociating. Um, one of the big things, uh, bedwetting. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, for, for littler children. Yeah. And, you know, other things to watch out for, obviously, are, are marks on the body or a child that maybe doesn't want to shower or eat or, and, and the other things too, is like, watch who your kids are hanging out with. Yeah. If they're hanging out, if they're hanging out with the coach alone, there's no reason for that. Yeah. If they're hanging out with uh, uncle George alone yeah there's I mean there's lots of nice uncles don't get me wrong because there's aunties and grandmas and mothers who are abusers let's not let's not even remotely think that there is not there's one in three one in three girls and one in five boys my goodness that are sexually violated before the age of 18 Okay. So when you look, when you look in, because you talk about the church, when you look in the church, how many of those one in three girls, the one in five boys, and then don't just look at that. Let's look at who the perpetrators are or were. Yeah. Because they hide everywhere and they love to hide where there's children. They love to hide where their kids and it might even be their own. God forbid, but I can speak firsthand to that. Yeah. as well as my brother, who is deceased. Mm. So, I mean, there's lots of uh, signs as they get older. I mean, addiction. Yeah. 
a lot of addictions, um, as you all know, are are created by trauma early on, yeah. some sort of trauma. Yeah. It doesn't have to be child abuse. It can be other kinds of trauma. It can be loss. It can be different things. Yeah. But I'm just tossing it out there. It's like we can never be too vigilant in protecting children. Yeah, you're right. We cannot be. And if you suspect anything, call it. Yeah. Because that child's life is at stake. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. That's if right. you call CPS and CPS does their job, you've done what you need to do. And yeah. you you've protected a child as best you can. Yep. So what do you say to the person who's like, I suspect something, but I just don't want to get involved? Call, uh, there's Crime Stoppers Anonymous in some places. Call CPS and say, look, I'll give you a report, but you can't say who I am. I will yep. not go to court, blah, blah, blah. It's up to you. You do your job. And I'm doing mine. Yes, I think it's important for people to know that, that you can speak out anonymously. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the ramifications of doing it are, what really are they? Exactly. If somebody's going to dislike you. Your neighbor's not going to like you. It's like, well, I could have not looked after your child if you would have preferred that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we have a parent who is hearing or seeing signs that something is wrong or an adult, but let's just, let's just put it in the confines of home for the time being. What is your advice then to that parent in terms of next steps? So say little one comes up to me and says, uncle so-and-so is abusing me or dad is abusing me or what, what does that parent then do? What's the next step? You absolutely reassure the child that you believe what they're saying. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You absolutely reassure them that you believe what they're saying. And then you have to do whatever you need to do. And that would be to call and report. Right. You have to call and report. If it's your brother, if it's your uncle, if it's your neighbor, if it's your coach, if it's their father, you have to report. 100%. Because this child's life, if you don't take care of this child, yeah. this child is going to have to grow up and reparent themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and deal with everything and find that reassurance from within rather than have a adult protect them. Yeah. And there's no going back on that. When it's done, it's done. Okay. Well, you've made it clear when home is unsafe. Yeah. My question has always been, well, where else is there? that can become a child's safe place. So my immediate thought then is, well, for a little one, then that would be school. So I want to ask you then, how could school have been a better support to you? They probably could have been educated in the signs because there had to have been signs, Yeah. right? Um, I even look at some of my school pictures and you can tell when I'm alive and happy and when my eyes are dead and I'm like gone. Yeah, you can see it. You can see it in a little one. You can see it in kids, right? And so I believe that, and teachers are getting more informed and trained now in some areas um, and they're mandated. So that is something that has changed immensely. Okay. Whether, whether they're doing it now to their 
full ability, I can't speak to that. Yeah, yeah. But I think also just having those conversations as teachers in classrooms that, you know, if there's anything going on, I think that's so important. If there's anything going on, know that this is your safe place. You can trust me. So so providing that reassurance to the kids continually as they're growing up and, you know, proceeding from one year to the next, to the next, so that they're always knowing that this is a safe place for me. Yeah, and a safe place to tell what you need to tell. Yes. Right. And knowing that there is then going to be action because I think some people don't report it because they've tried before and it's fallen on deaf ears. Exactly. Exactly. Because lots of people are going to, oh, well, we'll just leave it. I, I mean, we hear stories about that all the time. And everybody says, oh, it was that generation. I'm going to tell you it's going mm. on right now as we speak. It's yeah. not generational. Yeah, this is an act of the enemy. It's how can they get the kids first? And this is how they do it. So, yeah, I and I always tell on a lot of my posts, you'll see um, kids helpline. There's a kids helpline now and most kids have cell phones or access to a cell phone, right? Which is great. Helpline. Yeah. yeah, kids helpline. I tell it's like kids, if you're listening, kids helpline. Yes. Yes, I know at the beginning of this interview, I said this is probably not a conversation for the right to school, but maybe it is. Because <laughs> that's just it, right? We don't want to talk about it. And we we just, I think sometimes the way that it is, is we as parents so want to protect our children's innocence. <laughs> so we don't want to talk about it or put warnings out because we don't want to be culpable of opening them up to that horrible world and yet it's doing them no favors by not talking about it yeah I mean age appropriate right let's call our body parts what they are and if anybody touches you there or or wants you to touch them somewhere or do whatever it's like you come to me right but like there's this big myth out there that uh, people who have been abused become abusers. Well, I'm here to tell you that's a lie. That is yeah. not the truth. Yeah. Okay. There's many um, people that I know who have been abused as children who are wonderful, loving parents. Um, but, you know, there are people hiding everywhere who aren't. And yeah. I believe one of the things that we talked about early on was some of them are hiding in the church. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to talk about it too much there because we're going to offend how many people? Right. So many people, right? Right. Right. I think that, but I think that's just it, right? Is that the, the church is made up of broken individuals. And so it's important that even we as the church being a part of the church, the institution of the church, go in knowing that fact, you know, and not having any kind of, I don't know, misconception that we're all perfect, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, yeah, and that the rules of common sense or whatever don't apply here. Well, some don't. I mean, (laughs) some some people think that they don't. It's like, oh, well, you know, everybody comes to church, everybody's forgiven. Yes, forgiven is good, forgotten. No, still perpetrating, highly likely. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so, so we as individuals have an obligation. 
we do to take care to take care of every kid that we come in contact with 100 percent. and the church building has an obligation to make sure that they know who those people are and that they are not in contact with any child or any place of influence yeah. because that is supposed to be a safe place for everybody and of course we know it's not yeah yeah absolutely now you shared earlier on when we were preparing for today's conversation that the church have actually been great for you like they've been such an incredible support yes I the the hometown that I grew up in we never went to church there okay but my mom goes to church there and a girl that I went to school with, who's a year or two younger than me, uh, is the pastor. And, and uh, she asked me about my book one day when I was there. And I said, well, didn't anybody tell you what my book is? And she goes, no, they told me to ask you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> of course they did. So I'll tell you what my book's about. Well, that was, I think, on a Friday. And on Sunday, uh, I went to church. And I was going to head out from then and come back to Leduc. And um, she says to me, oh, is there something you want to say? And I go, yes, how long do I have? And so I got up in front of the church in my hometown where I wow. grew up, where the enemy tried to take me out and wow. told my testimony of how I had lived how, what happened and all of the things that have happened to get me to this point and to my book so that I could help other people. That it was amazing. I'm just like, if there's anybody more, because part of what got me to this point is I'm competitive because I refuse to bow to the enemy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I was like, oh, he's way more competitive than me. He took me right back to my hometown wow. and showed his victory in his church in front of my community Wow, that I grew up in. Sure. That's crazy. I know. That is extremely powerful. I love how he's, I love how God has used your journey as painful as it's been, you know how he's used it now for you to be able to speak straight into the lives of those who are going through exactly the same thing. Like, oh. Well, I, I've just learned, you know what? He has a plan for me and his plan is way more important than somebody who doesn't like my plan or yeah. somebody that doesn't want to hear what I have to say yeah. or somebody that's going to be offended by what I have to say or or somebody who's a perpetrator. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. It's like, we need to stop this. It's, yeah. it's prevalent. It's getting worse with uh, social media trafficking. Now you can sell your kid online if you want. Yeah. It's like, it's gone so far past what I ever thought it would. And it's like, it's time to stop it. But people Absolutely. are like, oh, it wouldn't be my grandfather that wouldn't do that. It wouldn't be my aunt that would do that to my kid. It wouldn't be that. It, that only happens in other places. No, it happens like right here in the neighborhood. Yeah. It happens so, right here. Yeah. So what do we need to be doing as individuals in terms of stepping up? Obviously, waking up and being that much more vigilant, you know, about the condition of people in our community. What more can we be doing? Well, there's some really good programs out. Uh, 
little warriors here and you can get it anywhere in the world because it's on the internet. It's called Prevent It and it's an online workshop. They provide it for free. I think it's three hours out of your life. And they tell you all about how to prevent, what to watch for, uh, what to do, what not to do, how to talk to your kids, all of that kind of thing. And it's uh, littlewarriors.ca and they have a Prevent It workshop. I just... Just become aware, people. Yes. Just become aware. It will affect you. It does affect you. Somebody you know it has happened to or it's happened to you. And we don't want it to happen to your children. No, that's right. And I think the days that we're living in, we cannot uh, keep um, relying on other people to take responsibility for this. Everyone needs to be taking responsibility for this. These children are our future. Yeah. Right? Even Jesus said, don't, no, 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 let the children come to me, right? This is it. It's like, it's all about loving them and allowing them to be happy, little, grateful, fun, loving, joy-filled spirits and souls. Yeah. And not let the enemy take them. And the enemy will use anybody. And that's where the awareness needs to come in. It's everybody's in denial about that. Absolutely. And I think the reason why the enemy has got such a vicious target on children is because if he can do the damage then, man, it's going to take them years to recover. And then all that time waste. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, and it, and it, and it's just a time where obviously I couldn't be as strong in that time until I got healed and was right. healing and I'll be, I'll be healing forever. Let's of face course, it, right? of course. But in the same token, all of the things that have happened along the way, it's like when you have the mindset and understand that it is enemy and that mm. it is actually warfare, put your yeah. camo on. Yeah. It is, it is warfare, put your camo on and, and take care of the children. And, yeah. and if you're an adult and this has happened to you, it's like there's help. There's people who are trained. Like, yeah. reach out to me. I can direct you to the next place. Do something. Just come forward and speak. Speak yeah. it out. And you don't have to speak it out to the world like I did. You don't have to go on a podcast. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to get up in front of your church or anything like that. You just... I just ask you to speak it out because what we hold inside of us bubbles and creates all different kinds of issues, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional. And it's like when we can get the truth out, regardless of how painful it is, life looks different. Yeah. Yeah. And And you're experiencing that. You're experiencing that now. I've been experiencing it, you know, since the time I I wrote these journals, it's like, oh my goodness, there's just so much freedom. I used to hold back in relationships because I would always, oh, if they knew who I really was, if they knew what really happened to me, they wouldn't like me. Yeah. And that's what the enemy wants us to think, right? Yeah. Regardless of what's happened to us in the past, it doesn't have to be child abuse, any kind of abuse, like you say, whether it's whether it's domestic violence abuse, anything like that, male or female. It's the same thing. You do not have to live in that secrecy. Absolutely. I mean, same like you, where 
you feared how God was going to respond, you know, you were at breaking point. Like either I don't tell him and it destroys our marriage or I do tell him and it potentially destroys our marriage. And yet you saw that unconditional love, which is what love is, right? Love covers and it protects. Isn't that what we're here to do, right? Is to support and love one another and nurture one another and see the best of each other come to the forefront. But yeah, it requires taking that step. Yeah. And abuse teaches us what love is not, but we don't know the difference until we find it. Wow. Wow. How can people get hold of you, Janet? If there's anyone here today that that is feeling, yep, I've got to talk, maybe you're their first point of contact. Yes, uh, you can get a hold of me, uh, Janet M. Little Author on Facebook or Instagram. You can direct message me. My website is uh, JanetMLittle.com. Um, I share my my book in there. My book's available if you want to read my book first. My book's available online or in bookstores. Ask for it wherever books are sold. Um, yeah, and and I... I'm also trained in crisis intervention, so I can get you to the next point That's great. that you need to get to. And that doesn't mean it'll be with me because I, I totally believe in therapists, psychologists, counselors, all of that kind of thing. There's a time for that. And there's a time for, um, for coaching and we can work alongside, but I definitely, yes. If mm. just speak it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Janet, thank you so much for coming on and, and just sharing some insights with us. To all my listeners, I know this has been a tough conversation to digest, but we cannot bury our heads under the sand and we cannot bury these matters under the rug, okay? The only way that Janet was able to heal from this was by exposing the damage done. Before that, she was carrying the burden of her abuse, which was just way too much for her to bear. So if I can please encourage you, get help, reach out to Janet. I'll make sure all her contact details are in the description of today's episode. Find a safe place for you to talk so you can start letting go and begin to heal. Speak to your GP even, all right? Get a referral to a counselor or a psychologist, contact your pastor or reach out to me, whatever, we will help direct you. Janet, thank you again for coming and sharing. Thank you. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much, Nalini. No, of course. Okay. So before you go, we are going to play a quick game. <laughs> it's called On Your Marks, Get Set, Go. <laughs> All right. I'm yep. ready. Are you ready? <laughs> you got your camo on. So here we go. So 10 personal questions that you have to answer as quickly as possible. Are you ready? Okay. Ready. On Your Marks, Get Set, Go. What was the last TV show you binged on? Golden Girls. Yes, I love Golden Girls. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite color? Purple. Purple. Oh my gosh, girl. Okay, what is an ideal date with your man? I would have to say sitting beside each other, watching a movie that we both like to, holding hands. Oh, you're such a romantic. That is so cute. Paint us a snapshot of an everyday moment in your life that makes you smile. 
I watch the birds outside the window. We have three birdhouses out there. And I'm always trying to figure out how they socialize and who gets to pick which house they live in. <laughs> I love that. That is so cute. We have those conversations as well because we have birds literally outside my front lounge. And so whenever we're in the middle of interviews and I hear them going, I'm like, okay, they're interrupting the interview. How are we going to, you know, <laughs> got to keep it down. Like got to keep it down. But yeah, we have those conversations. How on earth do they communicate? Um, okay, who's your favorite human on the planet? I mean, I suspect I know, but who's your favorite human? My husband. Yeah. I call him my gift from God. I love that. I really love that. What's your preference, cat or dog? Cat. Yes. No. <laughs> You're my kind of girl. Okay, what do you think of garden gnomes? Pardon me. <laughs> garden gnomes I yes. think they I think they have a place not in my yard <laughs> they have a place not in your yard did you say right yeah <laughs> that's what I said <laughs> okay I don't know why I ask that question because I actually don't give a second thought to garden gnomes but I have to say the reaction I get from people is absolutely hilarious okay are you a tea or coffee girl coffee coffee okay and how do you handle stress not well most times. <laughs> uh, I'm still working on, I'm down to about five minutes sometimes of raging. I'm pretty good. Getting better. <laughs> Just five minutes. <laughs> okay. And lastly, what are you most grateful for in your life? I'm most grateful for the opportunity, uh, really, quite honestly, to believe in something bigger than myself. I don't know where I would be if I didn't believe in something bigger than myself. And I know for me, it's God um, and Jesus. For other people, it's something else. But I, I always encourage people. It's like just something bigger than yourself. Just think about it. Yeah. I'm so grateful for that because I have been able to learn to trust and to have peace knowing that it's not all up to me and I do not have to control everything. I love that. Wow. I love that. Thank you so much, Janet. This has been amazing. Thank you. <laughs> okay, guys, I love you. I will talk to you soon. If you're excited about this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your loved ones. We want the ripple to go out far and wide. Till next time, I love you heaps.